You're listening to the Fertility Docs Uncensored Podcast, featuring insight on all things fertility from some of the top-rated doctors around America. Whether you're struggling to conceive or just planning for your future family, we're here to guide you every step of the way. Hi, everybody. We're coming to you today, uh, Fertility Docs Uncensored. We have a special guest today with us. Her name is Michelle Martins. She has a doctorate in nursing works at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. She has a specialty in the reproductive aspects of infertility. And today she's going to talk to us about um, coping with infertility, and especially in this day and age with COVID. Today we're coming to you from Texas Fertility Center. Dr. Susan Hudson is representing Texas Fertility Center. Hello. Dr. Carrie Bedient from the Fertility Center of Las Vegas. Hello. And I'm coming from Nashville Fertility Center here in Nashville, Tennessee. So today we're talking to Michelle. And as we were beginning to talk with her earlier, we noticed one of her cats jumped up on her computer. And, and because we're talking via Zoom, we got to look at her uh, pretty yellow cat walking on the computer. And we were laughing about the fact that that happens to many of, of us as well. How about you guys? Do you guys have cats or dogs or that interrupt your daily flow as you're talking with Zoom? So I have a little dog named Gigi and Gigi is a Chewini and she was, she was my first child without a doubt and still maintains status as the oldest. And she is, she is alternately living her best life right now because she has everybody at home, um, petting her, taking her out on walks, doing really everything she wants us to do, feeding, watering, all of that on a whim. But I don't, I don't think she can handle it. Like, I don't think she knows what to do with all that attention. And so she'll just randomly start barking, which, you know, beats for fertility practice, especially. I'd rather have barking in the background than kids yelling and playing in the background because I worry about, okay, is that, am I, am I causing psychological damage on my patients because they're seeing my kids running around? Um, but Gigi is totally the first child in my house. <laughs> and she, she gets really whatever she wants, whenever she wants it. We what have about a- you, Susan? We've got a miniature schnauzer. Her name is Sage, and she too is enjoying all the love and attention of everybody being at home. Um, but I, I think she's she's getting a little worn out. Uh, she uh, by the time I get home, she's just kind of plopped down there, and it's like I've done everything I could possibly imagine to in a whole day. Um, but I, I do think pets across um, the world truly are enjoying all of their their people um, being a little bit closer around. Well, I actually have a story. And when we thought about this topic right before the podcast started, I completely forgot about it. But every Sunday, the past two Sundays, our church has um, done a live stream for church. And so my husband and I watched it last Sunday together before I went into quarantine. This Sunday, we watched it separately. But the minister, right before he was supposed to start his sermon, he mentioned that he'd gotten several pictures from different parishioners about, you know, people that were sitting together watching the sermon. And he goes, you know, I always knew that all dogs go to heaven, but he said, apparently now all cats go to heaven. So I was looking <laughs> and unbeknownst to me, my husband had sent in a picture of our cat because our cat had jumped up and the Bible was right next to the cat and she was looking at the screen and there was our cat. And I was like, it's Chelsea, it's Chelsea. So that was that was my exciting moment. We, we go to a church of about 3,000 people. So it was kind of cool that our cat was up on the screen. So she's apparently she's sanctified. So 
we, we fed her a little extra food that day. <laughs> That's cute. How many cats do you have, Michelle? I have three cats and it's been interesting doing telemedicine at home. All three have been joining just about every session. So, Do your patients appreciate seeing that, that little glimpse into your normal life? Absolutely. It's, it's definitely presented a new reality for so many. And just seeing animals has created a lot of comfort for them. So, What do you think has been the biggest issue with your patients? You mentioned that you've been doing a lot of telemedicine lately. What have you really spent the majority of your time talking to your patients about? What I have found is, aside from going through the major crisis of a diagnosis of infertility and treatment, which as you all know is its own kind of crisis within itself, is this new crisis that is affecting all of us. And just the compounded stress that the patients are experiencing, the sense of isolation, um, the fear of is there ever going to be an opportunity for me to get pregnant or to build a family because of the delays at this point? So we've worked a lot with just going through some basic kind of simplistic, not really guidelines, but different steps um, that patients can take note of and walk through on a daily basis to really keep themselves grounded. And what are some of those things that you've talked to them about? So one of the things that I have found is, of course, there's so much anxiety associated with infertility, and with COVID, there's a higher level. And in order to kind of cope with the increased level of stress, I have found that many people are going to the media and watching the news I'm not a professional in this area, but I don't think that's a good thing to do. (laughs) I I turned the TV off after the second day of quarantine. It was just too much for me. So I can only imagine with the stress of infertility. Yeah. And just talking with people about setting those personal boundaries with media coverage and not creating more obsessive thinking There's so much ruminating thinking, rumination with our patient population, and I'm really attempting to help people, you know, understand that they do have control over how much TV they watch and what they choose to put their focus on. Um, So rather than spending hours online, especially um, not going on before bed, and reading about the news or looking looking things up is to replace that with whether it's meditation or mindfulness or physical activity, journaling, um, anything to do with practicing self-care to get the focus away from what's happening out in our world right now. You find that people are are responsive to doing that or do you find that they're they're more pulled to watching the train wreck as it happens and just 
being unable to turn away in part because while while it is definitely a choice to turn on the TV or look at your newsfeed or what have you, it's so built into our daily lives. And especially with many of us spending a lot of time online every day just to get work done, you start to see that more. Are people able to really turn it off and turn away? Or do they kind of get blindsided by it in in strange ways because they see it across a news feed while they're typing out a work email or or it kind of hits them of, hey, I should be in an office filled with 20 other people and instead I'm at home sitting by myself. Yeah, I have, it's what I have found with my patients as well as myself with a whole new world, even though I'm not quarantined, I am working 100% from home right now. And it just creates a different environment. And it's difficult to get away from everything that is going on in our outside world. Um, one of the things, just kind of segueing into a different technique to go on with what you're talking about, is the importance of establishing a routine and really making a plan during this time with going to bed at the same time every night, getting up at the same time, doing the same morning routine that we have always done in our regular work, going about our day, but then ending our work day, you know, whether it's four o'clock, four thirty, five o'clock, to end at that specific time. And then routines and schedules as it would into the evening. But I think structure, we, you know, I see that even with my daughter who is 11 and her school is very structured virtually and just having that level of structure, which puts me into a place of having structure, just, you know, it's something that we can control in this environment right now where everything feels so out of control and establishing routines and making a plan is one way to do that. One thing I know our patients um, often struggle with is a feeling of isolation and feeling like they're the only ones who aren't able to have children that other people don't understand. And um, how, how is that affected by the world we're in this moment? Well, as you all know, everything that is, whether it's IVF cycles that people are going to start, from my understanding, and you guys can clarify this more, is anyone who wasn't actively in cycle cannot start into. And what I have found, even without COVID going on, my patients that I work with from an emotional perspective who are between cycles or looking at options when there is not a solid plan, anxiety has a tendency to really go up. And this circumstance that we're in right now really increases that anxiety level because there is no ending in sight at this time, which really puts family building in many respects on hold. So 
Michelle, one of the techniques that you talked about was mindfulness. Can you tell patients a little bit about what that is and kind of how that works? And because I think some people are fearful of things they don't understand. And I, I've found personally found mindfulness to be really helpful for me. So can you kind of describe how that works? So mindfulness is really a practice of learning to stay in the moment. And there are some wonderful resources out there that we could talk about at the end to really help for people who don't know how to stay in the present moment, how to really get grounded with that. Um, So there's an abundance of free resources that may have always been out there, but are now readily accessible of, you know, teaching us how to do that. So mindfulness can be as simple as looking around the room and picking out five different things that you notice inside your room right now. So that would be a mindfulness activity of keeping you in the moment. It could be taking a piece of fruit like an orange and touching it and feeling it and then peeling it one kind of layer at a time. It's a practice that keeps people present-centered as a very kind of simplistic And what happens when people get those stressed out, upset thoughts? Because I think a lot of people try to repress those. And if I'm correct with mindfulness, you don't try and do that. You try and just let that go past you and just keep on thinking about other things. Yeah, let it flow through. So that, and we can certainly talk about, you know, ways to attempt to manage thinking, which is another technique that can be used during this time and how to manage negative thinking. And what's one useful tip for managing negative thinking? Well, you know, the first thing as you were talking about mindfulness is to become mindful about what we're thinking about. So often, depending on what perspective you're coming from, but thoughts can really create feelings. And one of the things that I do with the the patients that I work with is to even make out a list. I work from a list of eight feelings and just writing those down and then sitting in a space of quiet to go see, to get in touch with what is it that um feeling right now? And can I relate that to a specific thought? Um, There are certain ways of doing that. One is Ali Domar is so good with mind-body medicine and psychology. And with her technique, it's when I feel sadness or I feel anger is the thought that I'm having right now contributing to that. So having somebody just stop and have them reflect on what am I thinking in this moment and is this specific thought creating 
or adding to my stress right now? And if the answer is yes, there are ways that we can distract ourselves. Of course, in in counseling, which is why counseling can be so beneficial, is as a therapist, I can help reframe and teach somebody how to reframe those thoughts. But being at home and being in isolation is having a list of what are specific things I can do to distract myself right now. And it could be pulling up like the Furticom app, if you all are familiar, and we can talk about that. There's approximately 500 different coping and relaxation exercises on that app that are completely related to the fertility journey. And just going into the app and doing some breath work or doing a relaxation exercise But something when that feeling comes up with the associated thought is instead you could restructure. There are cognitive techniques on the app, but to go right into a way to bring the anxiety down. I think it it sounds very helpful to have something that they can actually go in and do because I know with at least most healthcare providers, it's, you know, just don't just stand there, do something. Um, and, and the opposite is true with mindfulness. It's don't just do something, stand there. And, and so really looking at that, but I think having, having something to go in and do to help you just stand there, um, is really helpful. You know, I know even in the midst of this, having had umpteen years of, you know, training and how to get through crises and those types of things, I even find that it takes me three times as long to get anything done right now because my mind is going on about four different levels. Are my patients okay? Are my kids okay? Is my husband okay? Am I okay? And is my staff okay? And and so just pinning that down at any given point in time is is really challenging. And and so hearing, oh, you should, you know, do mindfulness or breath techniques or peel an orange very slowly or things like that, having something concrete to do with my hands and my brain is a really helpful thing to hear because just breathing, that holds me about two breaths and then I'm off and going again. Michelle, I have a question. Um, you know, our, our audience, we have both male and female listeners. Uh, do you see men versus women dealing with fertility and COVID-19 in different ways? At this point, I can't say that I have seen any partners or any husbands or any men who are engaging in teletherapy at this point. And that may not be for one reason or the other um, practice generally has much more in a therapy practice, at least mine is much more comprised of women as opposed to men. But the fertility journeys experience so differently for men and for women, um, just as a whole. One tool that could be valuable, and this may kind of address what you're talking about, is going to these apps that were developed by um, two reproductive 
psychologists and they are free. I am not here promoting that by any <laughs> means, but it's certainly they're good tools is there's Ferticom for women and Strong for men. And so those are two different apps, but geared towards different genders and how they even cope with the fertility journey so differently. So, how, how do the apps differ? As far as the, the, big appear, the big way that they differ is by appearance and how things are spread out um, on the fur to come, which is for women, everything is petals, petals to a flower. So you click on a petal and the whole flower opens up and it's a scenario like a two week wait. And then you click on that and the flower opens up again with all these techniques and then you can click on another petal. So it's kind of the way that it visually is structured, the different yeah. colors that are used compared to the Strong app, which are leaves and you just click and they just open. There's not any. It's much more direct. It is much more direct, <laughs> absolutely. So I think we see that in our practices. Absolutely. Just as a general rule, Michelle, um, how do you how do men cope differently than women, and and what are some ways that women and men can communicate better during their fertility journey? Because I think as physicians, we see very different. Um, questions from men and women, very different perspectives. And I know that's a big generalization, but what, what tidbits can you give us? Well, the perceptions are going to be so very different. What I have found very consistently in my, you know, 12 plus years of doing just focused um, infertility counseling is women, of course, are going to be thinking about this every second of the day unless they're sleeping or actively engaged in work or something that is totally gonna distract them. And it's very consuming. And then the male may think about it once a day or, or once a week. I, I hear that quite often of, you know, every day, every minute of the day, I think about this and it's on my mind. And a husband will look at a wife kind of with this sense of kind of confusion of, really? I only think about it like once a week. And, you know, we're, we're wired up so very differently. And, you know, just helping couples understand that the experience is very different for men and women. The amount of emotional energy that's invested into the journey is very different for men and women. And what I typically have couples do when I work with them is because uh, the wife, for instance, or the female, for instance, may need to talk about it because as women, we need to talk about things is that there are five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the evening that are dedicated to talking about the fertility journey. And outside of those parameters, it's not discussed. 
which can be very challenging, but it can also be very beneficial for a relationship. So, Well, great. Well, we have really appreciated this time with you. It's gone by really fast. And um, these are some great words of wisdom. I know our patients are going to really appreciate the things that they've learned today. Um, So I think we're going to sign off for today. So uh, Susan Hudson from Texas Fertility is going to sign off. See y'all soon. Dr. Carrie Bedient, Fertility Center of Las Vegas. Stay home and stay safe. And myself, Dr. Abby Eblen, Nashville Fertility Center. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. See y'all soon.